Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to HopeNet Radio, where conversations save lives. This is episode 118. Can you believe that, Dave? 118 episodes. My name is Jeff. With me today, DW. How you doing, man? Good. Good to be with you. 118 times. Yeah, I know. Man, I'm glad we're not doing one episode a year. We'd be pretty old. We would be really old. <laughs> yep. <Yes. laughs> hey, tonight's show, Fire Tenders Needed. This is something, as we're talking about mentors, as we're looking at our world today, and we're thinking, okay, how do I mentor? Today happens to be Valentine's Day, and one of the things that we get leading up to Valentine's Day is we try to get a date, or some of us have tried to pick up a date for valentine's day if we didn't have one already and one of the things that we resort to is sometimes using these cliche things like i love you or be my valentine or sweet thing i don't know what you use to pick up your date but it's sometimes we tend to use flattering phrases empty words or words that we want to sound sincere but really we're just kind of going along with some kind of a tradition and some kind of an expectation that i need to have this on valentine's day and this is how i'm going to get it And we do this in different ways, not just on Valentine's Day, but we say things that don't really, they aren't really sincere. They're not really genuine. And unfortunately, sometimes in our, in our world today, we, we hear these voices more often than not. And one of the things that I would like to see happen and what I want to talk about tonight is this idea of being a mentor means that you let go of the flattering phrases or things that we necessarily want to hear. And we turn to wanting to have real genuine conversations, genuine interaction. You know, this idea of being a fire tender, love is equated to a flame in some ways, where it's not something that just kind of happens on its own. It has to be tended. And so, Dave, I'm curious. I want to know some of your thoughts. How do you see this? There's a lot of confusion out there. And when there's confusion, people are looking for people who are not confused. Look at our culture. Take a a step back and take a look at it. The definitions of things that we used to know for sure are not for sure anymore. I mean, what does it mean uh, to be in a married relationship in our country? What is it to be a boy or a girl? You know, what what is gender stuff? What is it when you listen to politics even? One of the candidates, they say, you know, leans socialism. One of them is a Democrat. One of them is a Republican. One of them is a billionaire you know you look at it and you listen to them talk and by the time you're done if you listen to all of them you're not anything but confused yeah there is like confusion reigns in our country and and we're not made to live in confusion and chaos like that so what happens is people begin to look for somebody who is not confused and that's why the atmosphere is such where mentors are so desperately needed because we do not learn by uh, words or sound bites. That's not how somebody learns. How we learn is by doing life with somebody and watching somebody. And and that's what people lack. Mm. They lack the doing life and watching. There's a plethora of words out there, sound bites. 
ideas, people wanting your time. Uh, in fact, even in problems in our lives, there's a host of people out there that are willing to sell you things to fix your problems. They may not fix your problems at all. They're just taking advantage of the fact that you have a problem and they need to make a living. So they're, they're selling you products. <laughs> you know, I think there's so many things in life, Jeff, that are simpler than we make them. I'll give you a quick example that's kind of nothing, but uh, the idea of, of all of the weight loss products that are out there. I mean, have you ever seen or counted or been aware of how many weight loss products there are? Oh, man. Gosh, if there was a, a number out there, it's it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. I mean, everybody's got a different opinion about different foods and different exercises and diets and weight loss. I mean, there's so many things out there. So, so what happens to somebody who starts listening to I'm going to listen to uh, 10 of them. Tell me about it. What do you think they'd come away with? I need to try this one and this one and this one and this one. It's like, how do you choose? What if they're contradictory? Uh, Right. Right. You nailed it. Yeah. And and they're all experts. Exactly. You know, I I was talking to a doctor this last weekend and and I was talking about a certain drug I was on, uh, a, a prescription drug I was on. And I said, you know what? There are a lot of people who really adamantly go against this prescription drug. And he looked at me and he said, well, he said, I'm a doctor. I said, I I know that. He said, I think you should be on the highest dose that you can tolerate every day of that. And I'm thinking, oh, brother, opinion number 477. And the problem with that is he's a doctor. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like I'm talking to my grandma on this one. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm talking to a guy that actually is educated, studies it, and knows what's going on. Do you know what? You know what I have to eventually do with the medicines I take for the various things I have? I have to choose which doctor I'm going to listen to. Now, that doesn't give me great comfort, no. actually, because they're all educated. They all claim to know what they're doing. So, so in my life, I have this this confusion at times over what is very important. And you know what I tend to do when I get all of those opinions is just get a who cares attitude then. Hmm. You know, I'll just do what I want to do and who cares. And that's a very dangerous attitude because in reality, there is a right and a wrong. So what I try and do is boil it down to simple. And I think that's why people are looking for mentors. They're looking for people who are not trying to sell them a product they're not trying to make a nation or a following for themselves. They're not trying to, to be power brokers. They're looking for somebody who actually is not confused on the most important issues of life. And I don't think we need to be confused on it. And I, I can tell you how I solved my, my food issue. I, I just decided, what is the most basic thing I understand about food? Well, there's real food and there's additives that we put in food. Here's what my guess is that God made my body to process real foods really well. So I'm going to try and eat real food. I'm going to try and eat food that has the least amount of additives to it that I can. And I'm not going to be a fanatic about it, but that's my choice. And I'm also going to apply the principles if I'm gaining weight, calories in, calories out, Hmm. because that's just basic. And you know what? I've been able to maintain my weight, feel pretty good, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, all right, all I did was go back to something really simple and basic, and I'm applying it, and it works, and I'm going to keep doing that. Now, I can have a lineup of people now tell me about all these other things I should be doing and additives and essential oils to essential grains to organic and not organic to whatever. And you know what? It all may be great stuff, and and I appreciate anybody who – cares enough about me to actually tell me I, I should do something differently. 
So that's fine too. But the truth is, I need to boil it down to it's simple. And what I like to do is, you know, for me even, I'll look for somebody who's older than I am, healthy, enjoying life, and say, what do you do? Now, what I'm getting into right away is mentoring there. Yep. You know, what are you doing? You have a, a healthy lifestyle. You, you have a healthy relationships. Can, can you show me what you do? Mm-hmm. Because it actually works. And, um, and a lot of times I find it, it's not as complicated as I had it in my head. It's a lot simpler. So I think mentors are necessary to help clear the confusion. They're necessary to simplify the complex because I think we've made it too complex. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way to really do that is for people to actually do life together and be together enough to see what's really going on. It's really interesting how you talk about the varying opinions and uh, professional opinions even at that. You know, talking to two different doctors about sometimes the same things and they have two different points of reference to shoot from. And so you're left kind of wondering which one is actually right. And we're going to talk about this tonight on the show. We're actually going to have a conversation about mentoring. And one of the things that I think mentors can do really well is they can build an atmosphere of encouragement. And and that's a little bit different from what we get in the world. We're going to dissect this a little bit because encouragement sometimes gets masked into forms like flattery or even outright lies. And I want to talk about what true encouragement looks like because I think if people as mentors, if they understand the power of encouragement and encouraging word, I think it would change a lot in our culture today, especially of things that we see young people struggling with and facing when we talk about things like addiction and identity questioning, just trying to figure out who they are. Mentors can really encourage somebody, especially in a point of their life where they feel really weak and really inadequate and, and just questioning even themselves and why they're even here. So I want to talk about this because I think it, it is confusing, but it is also simple and it doesn't take a whole lot. And I know Dave, you got some really great uh, words of wisdom and some encouragement for you guys listening. So please join us tonight on the tweet back. Be a part of this conversation with us. Use the hashtag HNRTB on Twitter. And this conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Hey, I'm Tiger McLuhan from Youth Leadership. Recharge is coming to Green Bay this February. We know a lot of adults, parents, a lot of youth ministries that are filled with caring people who love children and love kids, but haven't really had the opportunity to be equipped, given practical ideas on how to do that desire more effectively. Every children's ministry worker, every youth worker hopes that their ministry makes a difference in their small group works, that confirmation impacts those kids, but hope is not a strategy. To learn more about Recharge, visit ministryrecharge.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Chat with a live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. There are live coaches standing by, especially tonight if you're going through something or dealing with some stress this week or just dealing with an uncertain situation. They're there and they just want to listen, encourage you, maybe give you something to take home with you. Just chew on a little bit this week. So chat with the live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW with you tonight. Our show is entitled Fire Tenders Needed. And we've been talking about mentorship and the importance of it. And it's not only important to talk about, but it's important to do. And one of the things I think mentors do or have the potential to do very well is like anybody who builds a fire. Dave, I know you guys build fires all the time up at Silver Birch Ranch. All the time. Fires don't always continue to go just by themselves, do they? No, man. What do you have to do to take care of a fire? 
You know, I, I've heated my house with wood for 33 years. And um, it's a science, actually. You have to learn and get good at it. Because you don't want a fire that's too hot because you'll roast. And if it's too cold, you'll freeze. You don't want it to go burn real quickly and go out. You want it to be coaling up and stay that way. So you actually learn how to play with the air supplies and what kind of wood you're using so that, like today when I left the house, when I um, I, I built the fire, I looked at the temperature outside, I saw what kind of wood I had in the house, and I and I built it and put the air supply on in a way that I hope when I go back there at 4 o'clock, there's still a nice bed of coals to throw some more wood in. And so it's a matter of really looking and understanding the principles that you need uh, in order to maintain the right temperature in your house. Some people don't have that. They're, they heat with wood, and they just can't figure it out. So their house is 150 degrees, or it's 50 degrees. You know what I mean? One of the two. Yeah. And, um, and, and that can be. And that's how a lot of Christian lives are, too. I mean, you see somebody, man, they're 150 degrees on fire for God, and the next week, you know, they're they're like at pagan rallies or something. I'm not sure, but, I mean, it's like, wow, what happened there? Well, they, they haven't understood the maintenance of the whole thing. They haven't understood that it actually requires some a, a little bit of thinking things through and stoking it. And it, it's not really rocket science either. You have to have dry wood, and you apply air to it at the level that will keep the fire hot and burning, not allowed to go out, but not necessarily burn at a furious rate. So so it's a matter of adjustment all the way through life. And I think that's what we do in our Christian life is we adjust all through life to maintain a level of love and, and commitment and do that. And we learn as we get older how to do that. And it's hard to explain. When somebody comes to my house and they want to, like if I'm not home and they wanted to stay at my house or something, I don't even let them heat it with wood. I just turn on the gas furnace and say, enjoy. This will come out automatically. I don't want to deal with it. Why? I know how to build a fire. I know you do, but I can't explain. I I would need to be there and and do life with you a little bit to show you how you do it. Because even through the years, I have done it so often that it's hard for me to conceptualize it with words. And I think if you were to come to me today and even say, Dave, show me how to live the Christian life the way you do, I would go, could you just live with me for a while? Because as we live, I can show you how to do this. But, you know, if you just think right now of everything, I mean, I, I would start with simple. There's a God, you're not him, and he created the world, and there's a way. And, and you need to respond to his love, and you need, I mean, I could give you the basics. But if you really want to have a successful life, the only way to really do that is to do life with those who have successful lives. Mm. And that's why it's so important for a parent to be dedicated to one who loves God and loves their spouse. The most important thing I've ever done for my children is to love their mother and to honor her. And and that's one of the most important things I've ever passed on to them. Likewise, their mom loving their dad. Mm. The most important thing, loving God, very important. Now, I've made a lot of mistakes in life because I'm Dave, I'm human, and I'm sinful. But in the process, I've also done life, and they've seen how you adjust to those mistakes. And they now, now that I'm my age, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's on automatic pilot because it it's something I just understand and do. And it'd be very hard for me to sometimes pull that out and tell you about it. <laughs> so just come join me and see what I do, and hopefully you'll see. I mean, I'm still running a youth club at our church. I started doing youth work in 1970. I'm still doing it. 
And if you were to come and say, where are the successful elements? I'm thinking, man, and I don't know how many guys I've told this. Why don't you just come? We, we meet on this night and then you can see and ask questions because I'm not even sure what to tell you anymore after all these years because it's so ingrained in me that I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think if you're looking for a mentor out there, if you're thinking about being a mentor, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with you not being able to verbalize everything. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty normal, probably. But the thing that we're not verbalizing enough is just, you need to just do life with me. The, these two girls came to me just the other, yesterday, actually, and they were talking to me about their dads. Both of their dads have done things where they've just about destroyed their families. They haven't seen a real family situation the way it should be. And, and they were just really concerned. They wanted to talk to me about some things that were going on. And, and, and by the end of it, I looked at these two girls and I said, you know what you two need? And, and they just tears in their eyes. What? You need to just go spend time with a couple that actually love each other. Hmm. And, and that's all I told them. It was like, you know, I could give you theology. I could give you Bible answer after Bible. I could turn into the Bible answer man for you if you want me to. Hmm. But the truth of the matter is what you need to do is have some hope. And, and realize that it's not as hard as people make it out to be. In fact, there are some couples that I've met with, and they have made their relationship so difficult, and they keep telling me, well, you know, uh, relationships are difficult. And I use, and eventually I say, then you two shouldn't be together. My goodness, it is not as hard as you're making it. And, well, how do we make it better? Look, there's people out there that actually enjoy being with each other. They've had great marriages. Can I introduce you to a few? Just go to dinner with them or something. See how they treat each other. Spend time with them. Yeah. And ask them questions. They'll probably answer. Yeah. And if you ask them to sit and teach you, they might not be able to. Hmm. Because, you know, they're, they're thinking over the years, what is it that we do? You know, I mean, instead, ask, 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 ask. Why do you do this? No kidding. You don't throw dishes at each other? Why? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and what you'll find is that you have a couple that actually starts enjoying just telling you some of the greatest things that they've learned without lecturing you to death on, on anything because they're just kind of talking about each other and how they enjoy each other and, and even how they've struggled with each other. I mean, my wife and I laugh all the time about stupid things that mostly I have done, and she just rolls her eyes you know, and, and goes on. <laughs> yeah. She likes telling those stories too. It's not like everything's perfect all the time. Right. It's really quite the opposite. Yeah, and it's, life is like a fire, much like it. Sometimes there are points in our life where, like you said, Dave, life is going 150 degrees and all of a sudden things kind of cool down. And And I think we're kind of in that season right now where some of us emotionally or even mentally, we're kind of at that point where we're feeling like, oh, the winter's long and inside my fire, my, you know, my desire to do some things, even to, to take my significant other today happens to be Valentine's Day. And we kind of, sometimes we equate this, this relationship thing to kind of keeping the flame alive. I guess you kind of hear some of those terms used in a dating relationship or a married relationship. Keep that flame alive. And the same thing is true in a fire. We have to maintain it. You have to have a fuel source and a heat source. And there are keys. There are things like you talk about, Dave, principles to building up a good fire and maintaining it. And I think as mentors, people who, are in position where they can actually influence somebody. We have to know our role is as a fire tender in a way where we can, in a way, kind of, I don't know if we, if you want to say you can kind of control the temperature or the amount Absolutely. of fire in somebody else, but you have the ability to influence that. And as a mentor, Absolutely. one of the things that I love to do, one of the ways that I like to be a fire tender, so to speak, in the lives of young people is that 
I tend to be an encourager, somebody who wants to pick out some positives, some things that are happening that I think are worth pointing out and talking about those things or recognizing people in, in a way that honors them. I think our culture today lacks this need for encouragement. For some reason, we tend to be a little bit more cutthroat in our culture and try to one-up the next person and, and maybe even use words like flattery, things that are nece- not necessarily true, but they sound good. And I want to talk about this, Dave, because I think there's a difference between words of encouragement in the realm of encouraging somebody, mentoring them, and just simple I guess, vague or just unclear words that I would consider flattery. So I want to talk about this when we come back here on the show. Share your thoughts with us as well. Words of encouragement. What do you find are are ways that people can encourage you? I want to hear from you. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Also, while you're there, if you need to, there are live coaches available. So you can chat with one right now at HopeNet360.com. Click on that Talk to a Live Coach button. Jeff, DW with you tonight here on the show. And Dave, we've been talking about this building an atmosphere of mentorship and not only that, but what that really means to being a mentor. And we kind of use the analogy of being a fire starter, but also a fire tender, someone who helps to keep that fire going inside. One thing that I love to do, and I, I shared this before, was I, I like to encourage people. I don't know why it is, but I'm wired in a way where I like to receive, whether it's words of affirmation or just things that encourage me. They, they help me to know that, number one, I'm not alone in this fight, in this struggle, in this life. But secondly, that even though there are times where I'm going to be discouraged or that that will come up that will try to steal my joy, you can still have joy. And it's having people in my life that continually remind me that, you know, this isn't as impossible as it seems. And I think there's nothing greater, there's no greater need that young people have today, I think in in my own opinion, than to have someone in their life saying, you know what, this is difficult, this seems impossible, but you're going to get through it, it's going to work out. And it may not be the way that you want it to, it may not go the way you think or expect it to go, but it's going to work out if you just trust God, if you just trust and know that he is at work. And just having people like that in my life makes a huge difference. And we were talking in the break and a little bit before the show tonight, and you were really talking about this idea of the Sabbath day. Now, to give a little bit of a backdrop, the Sabbath is one of those things in the Ten Commandments that God laid out to Moses and said, honor the Sabbath day. And some people think, well, it's just taking a day off of work, or it's, you know, going to church on that day, or something, but it's, it's you know, not necessarily a whole lot different to some of us than every other day in the week. Um, but you really brought up a really neat facet and a really neat insight about yeah. the Sabbath and, and what things happened more in the Jewish culture. And I thought it was fascinating. And I almost wonder if there's a way that we can put this into practice in our own daily life. Yeah. You know, any observations I have too of the Jewish culture is coming from a Swedish guy. So <laughs> you got to realize that I'm sure people did it differently. But as you know, some Jewish history and some, some people that uh, observed the Sabbath, uh, there were some habits that, that I think were very important for us to take a look at. One of the things, though, that if you back the bus up a little bit, is that everything that we do is relational and intentional. There's nothing accidental, including relationships. They're, they're not accidental. With that in mind, having a relationship start 
is not an accidental thing, and then tending it like a fire is not accidental. If you ignore it, a fire can get out of control and destroy a lot of things. If you ignore it, a fire can go out and not have the heat value. So depending on what the purpose of the fire is, you can't ignore it. There has to be something where you actually pay attention to it and tend it throughout its time. And and God put in place this wonderful thing called the Sabbath from the very beginning. If you read all the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are really about relationships. Uh, the first set of commandments are about your relationship with God. The last half of the commandments are about your relationship with man. And then there's this Sabbath thing. And the Sabbath is really, it says, to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy. The, the Sabbath to the Jewish people is the most important day of the week. Because it was a day that they remembered that God created the world and everything in the world. Now, you may say, how does that fit? Well, they stopped again and remembered that they weren't accidental blobs of protoplasm. They stopped and, and, and paused and reminded each other that there was a purpose for the world. There was a purpose for life. There was a purpose for everything that, that took place. And actually, the word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word, and it means to end or to rest. In other words, they're, they're saying, you know what, we're, we're going to take a break. And the Bible says we keep it holy. If you look at the word holy, it means different. So the, the Sabbath day is something that's different than the other days. In fact, if you're referring to God, it's holy, holy, holy. He's different, different, different. And, and that's true. And so this day should be different. What was interesting is that this day was different because it focused on stopping all of the busyness in life and focusing on the important relationships. And in a family, there are two. There's the relationship with God that I personally have, and then there's the relationship with my family, my wife and my children and, and those. And, and what they did, some families, now not all, but as you look at some Jewish traditions, first of all, um, they would get ready for this day. They look forward to it and prepare for it. And they would actually dress somewhat nicely, not like in tuxedos or anything, but nicely. And, and I don't think much about that, but you know what I find is that when I dress like a slob around the house, uh, my wife doesn't appreciate it. I'm comfortable looking like a slob, but for her, I need to look nicer. So on this day, they would look nicer. They prepare food ahead of time, and, and, and that way they wouldn't have to spend a whole lot of time on it But so they could eat. But what's interesting to me is at sunset the night before, so it would be a Friday for the Jewish people, and the sun went down, they would spend time with their children and bless them. They would talk to their children and focus on them and bless them. And, and I thought, every week they do that. They, they look for ways to talk to their children and talk to them about how God made them and the cre with the creation of mind and, and purpose and that kind of thing. And not only that, then the next day they, they would intentionally, the husbands especially, would intentionally go out of the way to thank their wives for the work that they do. Because back then that was their, you know, the wives were usually at home doing things. and, and But they wanted to honor their wife in front of the children. And I thought, you know, that that's very cool. They could sit then and discuss, you know, what went on the week before, what they have coming up in the week. They they can talk about the struggles and the strains, but they did all of this with no pressure to hurry up and go see a football game, go go check Facebook or anything like that. It was totally done in the context of relationships are important to us, so we're going to set aside time for relationships. And I thought, you know, God, that's how it should be. If we're going to accomplish something really important in life, we need to be intentional about doing it. If I want to do anything in life, I have to set some kind of goals and, and be intentional about steps to get there.
And if, if being in relationship with God and loving your family is important, then you need to set time for it. In our day and age, I, I think it would be the same thing. Why not have uh, an evening a week where you know, all of the phones are turned off, all of the media is turned off, everything's turned off. You, you look at each other, talk, and intentionally, if you're a husband and wife, you, you talk to your children and you bless them once a week and you talk to them about their lives. You know, Jeff, you, you know, do you think that would make a difference in anybody's life? You know, as you were telling me this morning, we were talking about this a little bit. It was one of those where I began to really think about how our world would be different if we did just those things. Number one, slowing down, you know, actually focusing on relationships. I think today it's so easy to just put relationships on, you know, a text message or on a Facebook post and let that, you know, kind of be its own little relational interaction for the day. Right. But I, I think it's one of those things where as you're talking about this, being intentional on not just face-to-face, but even in what we say. You know, I'm, t- I'm going back to this whole phrase of, of flattery and encouragement, and one of the things that I see over and over in our culture today is that there is a plethora or an abundance of words, and sometimes vague words or words that are kind of empty and shallow. Unfortunately, we, we, we use shallow words today with our friends or people that we have good relationships with in a way that we think will butter them up or make them feel better about themselves. But in reality, they're pretty insincere. They're pretty empty and they don't really have any real weight to them. Right. And that's what I would consider as flattery, trying to puff up somebody else, uh, whether it's in their own indulgences or their own perfectionism or their their own strengths and as if they were something almost like a, a god themselves. And in a way, we were wired to receive praise and encouragement, but we weren't people that were meant to be worshipped or glorified. And I think as you're talking about this, the whole idea of honoring, you know, how does a man honor his wife in front of his children? How does, you know, when you're talking about how do parents bless their kids, this to me, one of those things that I think would change our culture, even change the temperature of, of our families and our community is if we actually maybe put some of these things into practice, taking time out, understanding what it really means to honor your spouse, what it means to bless your kids. Man, that would change a lot of things, I think, in today's culture. Yeah, and I think you need to do it in public with your children and your spouse together so that you as a family see what's really going on. Yeah, what would this look like? I'd love to hear from you guys. Would this change our world that we live in? You can let us know on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV. We're on Facebook and Twitter hanging out with you, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also shoot us an email at hope at hopenet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. If you miss any part of this conversation, you can subscribe to the podcast. The HopeNet Radio podcast is available on your favorite podcasting app. Go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Every single one of our conversations are there. You can listen back, listen to some great episodes we've had, and some really great dialogue that we've had over the years here. It's it, We're going on our third year already, Dave. This is wow. a lot of fun. It's crazy sometimes. We have you know more fun than I think two people should be allowed to have in one one session, but we have a good time. Are we any more mature in three years? You know, I'm not totally convinced of that yet, but I have really, I've gleaned some stuff from you, some words of wisdom, and 
some changes in my life have happened because of your influence. So I think there is a dose of maturity that's come with it. Yeah, but I, I don't think I'm, who knows what's going on with me. I do, I am six, <laughs> I am 60 this year though. So I am hitting that big number. When I was your age, 60 sounded like a bunch of old people. So I, I'm trying to re-align uh, my brain with 60 as an old, but I haven't got there yet. So we'll see. We'll see how that works. But, I mean, your expectations, though, I mean, have they changed now that you're approaching that number? Oh, no. I, I actually have a lot more I want. Well, you know what? They have in one way. I feel more responsible. Hmm. I, I really think that now after 35 years of being in ministry like I have been, that I have a tremendous amount of experience and I need to give it all away in as many ways that I can. Um, that experience is not to be um, hoarded by somebody and kept. It, it's there so that you can share it and give it away and make other people successful with it. So uh, that's why I appreciate just having these discussions with you because I, I'm looking for outlets to just give away what I've learned. And I think that's important because that's basic, I think, Christian way to teach is, is not to charge somebody for it, not to bend somebody and make them listen, but to actually say, look, I've learned this. You can have it. I hope it helps you. Here's what I've learned and, and give it to them. So I think that's why I've changed. Uh, it used to be more where I was more interested in maybe uh, the details or administration or something like that. And now it's like, just give me a chance to give things away um, that I've learned and I'll look for every opportunity and take it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. It's met with skepticism in some places. That it's like, what's in this for you? I mean, what are you going to get out of <laughs> right. it? Right. And actually, I don't want anything out of it. I, I just think I have a responsibility. I've learned something. I mean, to stay in one place for 35 years and see God work and and serve the church for 35 years that way and, and counsel thousands and thousands of young people. I think, wow, there's, I, I'm not a very smart guy. I never have been, but boy, do I have the experience. Hmm. And I mean, I really got a lot of that. So since I have a lot of something, like if I had a lot of money, which I don't, but if I have a lot of experience, you give it away and you make other people rich with it if you can. So I think that's how I've changed. I just want to give that away. And I keep looking for outlets. So anyone want to have some of it, just contact me. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're asking for, but you can have yeah. it. But isn't that interesting, though? I mean, as as you grow up, and I know for me, I'm kind of in that realm where I've tried to see if I could apply that kind of perspective to my life because I'm only in my 30s. And so there's kind of that need. I don't know if it's a 30-something mentality, but you see, you feel like as you get out of college and you kind of go through the young adult years, you're just trying to absorb and in a way own as much as you can, not really being a hoarder, but you're just, you're trying to get so much information and learn so much and in a way to make yourself marketable, you know, you have these certain skills and abilities and, and so in a way there's kind of a selfish mentality, but as you get older, as you begin to look back on your life and think of how could I have done some things differently? One of the things, and I hear it from you, and I, I've heard it from other mentors and other people who are much older than I am, they've said, you know, I just, I want to just give away the knowledge that I have because it would make you more successful if you had it. I think by keeping it to myself, it's not doing me any good. Can a 30-something-year-old do the same thing as you're doing, Dave? Yeah. You know what? I, th- I think it's a habit of looking at life differently, uh, looking at it like a mentor. The easiest way is to compare it to an, a lake, and I've done this before. A, a healthy lake in Wisconsin has an input and an output. It doesn't just have an input. So if you learn something today, that would be the input. What are you doing with it? Where's the output? Hmm. You need to give it away. And, and so what you're doing every day is you're, you're looking for God to teach you or somebody and you learn something, and then you're looking for a way that you can use it and give it away that day. And, and when you do that, you have a culture of mentoring going on. 
because people are saying, boy, I learned this this morning. I can't wait to find out how God's going to use it. I'm going to give it away to somebody, make their life different. I had a guy once I was trying to help, uh, a young man. He didn't really have a family, that kind of stuff. And, and, and I encouraged him to try something. And he needed a piece of equipment for this business to work. And, and I just, I told him, I dabbled in this once just for the fun of it. And I gave him all my stuff. And I said, you can make it work. And he used my stuff and made it work. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, that's good. But he needed this piece of equipment. And so I gathered a bunch of older guys around. I said, hey, there's this young guy, and he needs he needs this piece of equipment. If he had it, you know, we could launch him. You know I mean? We could help him. Yeah. And, and we all got more money than we need. Could we loan it to him? And uh, I'll never forget, I didn't have to loan him any. I, I had enough people just give me stuff so we could get him the piece of equipment. But one of the guys sent me a check, and he, and he had this note with it. He said, don't tell him who I am, but tell him this. That one day when this business gets going and he has an extra amount, whatever that was he had on the check, when he has this, that he needs to find a young man just like himself and give it to him and encourage him like I'm doing it to him. And I thought that's mentoring right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you're doing is saying, I have more than I need of this. I want to encourage this young man. And what I would rather teach him rather than paying me back, what I would rather teach him is that he look for, be looking for somebody else that he can encourage and, and help down the road. And that's really what I think. I don't care what age you are, your age, my age, you know, someone listening to this in college, you are looking today, I think, to give away what you've learned. You are not looking, by the way, to tell everyone how smart you are, that kind of stuff. If that's the case, just be quiet. Yeah. But to actually be thinking, God, you taught me this today. How can I help someone else with it? And now you're looking for it. That's an atmosphere of mentoring right there that takes place. And it happens at any age. And, and, and by the way, you know, Jeff, as I learn from you and I learn from others, it, you know, mentoring always sounds like it's somebody older, that kind of thing. And, and I guess by definition it might be. But, but learning takes place in a learning environment. That's what it does. So it's up to us to make the environment. Let, let me ask you a quick question. Sure. A, a seed grows because it has a certain environment, right? Right. So is it the environment that makes it grow? Or is it the environment that just lets it grow? Hmm, kind of a both end. I mean, there has to be, you know, a water source, good soil. There's got to be adequate nutrients. Okay, those are all environment things that will allow it to grow. Yeah, they're all environment things. Nothing can make a seed grow. You know, it can just foster that environment for it to grow, I guess, is probably... Right, because it's dead. Right, yeah. So, you know, I would ask you the simple. If a seed is in the ground, the environment's right, it's warm enough, does it have a thermostat in it so it knows it's warm enough? I think there's got to be some kind of mechanism. Does it have a brain? I don't know. I mean, there's... No. <laughs> not like me, dead. no. <laughs> no, seeds are dead. So, you know, what's interesting is there's this dead seed. You know what farmers concentrate on? It's just environment. Yeah. That's what they concentrate on. Yep. And the Bible makes it clear that all life comes from God, that, that something sparks it. When the environment is right, growth happens. It isn't the environment that causes the growth. It's the environment that allows the growth. And I found that in my life as well as mentor, you know, or being mentored. I need to set the environment up so that growth can take place. God will cause the growth. And I need to look for that. But I need to set the environment up so that it will at least be conducive for the growth. So that's my responsibility and your responsibility. So today, if you learn something, you're in the Bible this morning, you've learned something, you're looking for somebody to pass that on to, not tell, not somebody to tell how smart you are, just looking for someone to pass it on to. That's what you're doing. You're setting the environment for growth. 
Now, if growth happens, that's God, and you're thankful. You know, this the whole idea of being a fire tender, someone that helps to regulate this fire and make sure that, like you said, David, doesn't go too hot where it just burns and it consumes and goes out of control, or it doesn't go out and then become cold. It doesn't maintain its heat level. I think it's important that we realize that we have a part to play in this. And one of the ways that we still have to unpack yet, Dave, is this difference between empty flattery and real encouragement because sometimes the lines get blurred sometimes you know someone will say something to me and i'll think oh that's a really encouraging thing to say and then i realize they were just saying it because you know they wanted something from me and that to me is the most discouraging thing because then it it kind of steals away the joy that i had from receiving whether it was a gift or it was a word of encouragement something that was meant to puff me up and instead it was kind of actually a gesture that was a little bit more self-serving and i think we tend to do this more than we think so i want to talk about this when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Dave, these two words, these two phrases that I think are pretty loaded and that I know the Bible talks about, I know you've probably had some experience, and especially if you're in a position that other people are kind of reverent towards, whether it's you know president of a company or CEO or you're the, the head manager, the lead executive, whatever. As a pastor, even as somebody who is a spiritual authority, people will sometimes tell you what you want to hear. And sometimes it's real, sometimes it's honest, sometimes it's genuine, but a lot of times, and for some reason this this happens to be a condition of man, is that we want to say things or do things for other people that would put us in a favorable sense before them. It would kind of serve a selfish gain. And I see more examples or more opportunities that people take for flattering somebody else. And I want to unpack the idea and the difference between what it is to flatter somebody, which it has a negative connotation versus what encouragement really is. And one thing you talked about in laying out the idea of Sabbath and how we're built for a relationship and that there would be actually be a day where we would be intentional on relationships. You talked about honoring. And one of the ways honor is shown was the husband to the wife and to do that in public, do that in front of the family. And I think it's a powerful visual. I think it's something that I want to definitely learn more about and and just try to implement that in some way in my own family life because I do some things that I think it does happen where I am honoring my wife if it's just, you know, acknowledging her every day when I come home, you know, this these sorts of things, but Maybe there's something more that I can do. Maybe there's something more that I can do for my kids that is meaningful. I know for me, I don't want what I say and what I do to be disingenuous or flattering or something that is is vague or off the cuff. It has no real weight to it. It's just one of those things that I just say flippantly and think that, oh, it's you know just going to gloss over a multitude of things that I've done wrong, you know, by not taking out the trash or by you know not helping my son do his homework or project or whatever he's working on. What's the difference between between flattering somebody versus encouraging someone because the two can kind of seem to be blended together sometimes. Yeah. Things can easily turn into a worthless religious phrase. Uh, in other words, you could do this Sabbath thing, get together and say a bunch of words that have no meaning. And that's why Jesus got really on the Pharisees when he came because they, they had turned the things that were meaningful into meaningless by how they said them and, and, and the fact that their lives didn't really reflect it. 
I mean, if you want to honor your wife, Jeff, in front of your children, in other words, you want to say, reaffirm your love for her and, and, and talk about how thankful you are for her and that kind of thing. But the rest of the week, you treat her like dirt. That's not going to work. Right. You know what I mean? So, so the affirmation part for anybody has to have backup to it. It has to have uh, a reality to it. And it is one thing to be able to talk, um, uh, properly, it is another thing to live properly, and you need to get those two together. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think that you're not very encouraging to someone when you just use words, but there's no way to back them up. Um, in fact, it's more discouraging. Yeah. Because w- what you're doing is telling them, you gotta play the game. The game's gotta look this way, but in reality, it's this way, but everybody knows that, but don't worry about it. Mm. No, that's not true. I think there are times, if I'm honoring my wife, that maybe I need to apologize in front of my children for how I treated her that week. You know, and, and, and let them see us go through that. What they need to see is that I'm committed to her and I'm committed to them. And, and that's what love is. And, and then when we are, when we do things we shouldn't, we're honest about saying we shouldn't have done that. And we, we are honest about how we hurt people and we talk about it and, and we want to get better at it. So th- those are the real things in life. And all of a sudden our children realize they are going to make mistakes. We've given them ways to walk through it. I mean, it, it's real. Uh, not only that, you got to be careful with the abundance of words. Man, there's a lot of people that have tried out for uh, uh, American Idol that shouldn't have. Nobody along the journey told them they can't sing. Nobody had the courage to say, you know, maybe you're a plumber and not a singer. Hmm. You know, I mean, maybe there's something else in life for you to do. Not that plumbers can't sing. I don't need the emails on that one. But, <laughs> I, you know, maybe there's something else in life for you to do. Instead, people all along have tapped on my back and said, man, you're, you are the next, you know, um, American Idol, the way you sing. And they go, really? Yeah, unbelievable. And in their mind, they're going, I'm just trying to be encouraging. Mm. And when I look at somebody who's lying, that's trying to be encouraging, I'm thinking, you don't encourage somebody with a lie. Hey, you don't do that. Yeah. You know, one of the most important things that I was told in sports when I was growing up, I was in high school, and I played multiple sports. I mean, I was I played hockey at nights. I, I played uh, football. I swam. I even ran track for a year. Man, I wanted to do it all. And there was one coach who was on my case about just doing one sport. And there was the other coach that I really enjoyed being with and it really seemed to care about me. And he said, Dave, do you mind if I be honest with you for a second? Sure. You're not going to be professional at any of these. <laughs> and I said, really? He goes, no. And, and I know now what he means. Those guys that are professional, they're freaky good. You know, and I, and I wasn't one of them. He said, so why don't you just enjoy them all? I mean, go and do the best you can at all and enjoy it. <laughs> And I thought, you know what? I went through high school doing that, and I enjoyed it. And I was so thankful for that advice. The other guy was telling me, well, you know what? You, you may never get to that you know, Division One college, and you, you may never be a pro because of this. And I'm going, I had this other guy be honest with me and say, you know what? You're not a professional. Hmm. And, and really, I'm not. And so I'm going to go try all these. And I did, and I enjoyed that much better. I was thankful. There, now, I would listen to the guy who was honest with me and the guy who wasn't. You know, what he was concerned about is I was a big guy. He wanted me to play just football, wanted me to, you know, he just wanted to win. Mm. He didn't really care about me as an individual, and I knew that. This other coach I saw transcended that, and he wanted me to be successful in life. And he thought, you know, Dave, let me be honest with you. You're you're just not the professional type at this point, and I don't see it being that way. I think he was right. Now, some might say, oh, that was unduly harsh. You know what? (laughs) I love that man. Hmm. I, I do. So if you're saying he's harsh to me because he told me the truth in a way that I heard it, that's not harsh. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I understood what he said, and I appreciated it, and it helped me enjoy my high school days. You know how many people are disappointed when they get out of high school? They've spent all this time and effort trying to be an athlete or something. They're not gifted at it, and they've done it, and they're hoping for you know one day to stand on the podium at the Olympics or something, and they can't even get a college scholarship hmm. out of it. And, and now they're, they're desperately angry hmm. at the world for not noticing how good they are. <laughs> well, somebody's lied to them along the way. Yeah. If you're truthful, and I think that's what we're talking about, to say things that are truthful. I have this phrase I say. I, I, I say, this guy's the nicest guy. You know, I say that quite a bit. <laughs> and and I, there was a radio host on, and the radio host was saying, this guy's the nicest guy. And, and I, and I kind of laughed at it and said, you say that about everyone. And my wife immediately perked up and said, Dave, you say that about everyone. <laughs> and I said, what? Yeah. And she said, you know what? When you say this is the nicest guy, it's meaningless to me. <laughs> And I thought, wait a minute, he is a nice guy. I, then she said, say he's one of the nicest guys, or he is a nice guy. But when you say nicest, you know how many nicest guys you have in your life? <laughs> right here. I thought, yeah, you know what? It's like, okay, okay, fine. Yeah. What she was telling me was, you know what? Your words have become meaningless because you use them too freely. You have not been discriminating at all in, in how you said that. Hmm. So now I don't listen to what you say. And believe it or not, as a mentor, as somebody who works with young people, I need to be careful and guard my words a little bit because when I say them, I need to have them mean something. Yeah. And, and so I want them to be truthful and I want them to be said because I care about the person and that helps them be actually meaningful. There are people that I think we can encourage and also at the same time, we can admit that we don't want their job or their position at the, in the same breath. Because I think one of the reasons that we do flatter somebody or, or inflate our view of them and tell them, you know, that we think the most of them is because we're really interested in what they have or the power of the position they have, the authority to do something, maybe their wealth. I mean, let's, let's face it. There are people that I would be glad to be friends with, whether it's like a guy like Aaron Rodgers or somebody else, but maybe not for the right reasons. People that we idolize. You talked about American Idol. There are so many American idols that we have in our life that we would we'd love to be friends with because they could hook us up. They could, you know, so we would say things to make them want to hang around us. And what I've found in my own life, people have said things to me that I know were not genuine. And yet they wanted to make me think better about myself or something. They wanted to say something nice. Not all encouraging things, I would say, are always what sound nice. But like you said, Dave, they're honest and they're true. Sometimes the most encouraging things that I can hear are a voice that says, you know, that may not be something that you want to pursue. And I would say thank you because that just encouraged me to, to go down a different path. Right. Instead of, yeah, I think you could do that. I could see you doing that. I, I mean, you have this kind of gifting. It, it's not that hard. You know, and so we think that's encouraging somebody else, but in reality, it might be setting me up for danger or just an unnecessary risk in my life. So it is important to know the difference between flattery. And I think there are some ways that we can kind of filter through it. We'll talk about that when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. 
Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW with you tonight, wrapping things up here on the show. We are live on the Tweetback right now. If you want to chat with us, leave your thoughts, share an idea, or something that we've said you want to hear us unpack that a little bit more on future shows, be part of the Tweetback with us. If you're on Twitter, use the hashtag HNRTB. You can also message us on Facebook or through your email program. Whatever you want to do, you can email us at hope at hopenet360.com. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think of tonight's conversation and how we can help unpack this in your own life. We've been talking about being a fire starter and a fire tender. The show tonight, Fire Tenders Needed. The show notes are posted at hopenet360.com. Dave, this has been a lengthy conversation. Lots of stuff to unpack and maybe things that we can touch on in future shows. But as we're wrapping up tonight, not only do we need mentors in our life, but we need to know how to mentor. And we've talked about being a fire tender. One of the things that you talked about, I think a couple of weeks ago, was a way that you interviewed for a position at one time. And I thought it was intriguing because... I looked at an interview as something where I come in, the the person who is interested in hiring me would ask me some questions and different things, but not really in the way that you did it in the past, at least from my vantage point. I wouldn't have expected this. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting because as somebody now has been doing something for 35 years, running a ministry and has a title of president of a ministry, whatever that really means, I'm overseeing everything. So as things grow, as we develop, we need more people to help us do what we do. The trouble is, I don't know how to do what we need to do. You know, I mean, let's say we needed a, a sound person or a tech person or a, in one case in particular, I remember we needed a business person. And, and I remember sitting many times talking to people with my door shut and just saying, look, you know, I know that we're not doing this well, whatever it is. And I don't even know how to do it. So why don't you tell me how we're supposed to do this? And then I'll decide whether you should be here or not. Because I don't even know what I'm asking you to do. For me to make up a job description, for me to uh, try and fake it like I know everything, I've said before, I feel sorry for political candidates because they need to know everything about everything. I mean, that's what they need to do. So if you ask them a question, like if you asked me a question and I'm a political candidate and I'm Mozambique, is that how you pronounce it, wherever? I think so. And, And the problem there and how to solve it, I would have to act like I knew what to do. The truth of the matter is I should be able to say, please don't show me the map because I wouldn't be able to show you where that country is. And secondly, if there is a problem there, I'm going to find an expert in that area and talk to him and see if I can get some advice because I don't know how to fix everything. You know, in other words, we need to be realistic in life and honest. Not everybody who runs a company, now everyone that, that really is in charge of personnel, that kind of thing is, is flipping out as I say this. But for some things, I can't even write a job description. I'm not capable of doing it because it's not my field. If we were talking about media production, if we were talking about radio, if we're talking about advertising on the web, if we were hiring somebody for that, you know, Jeff, I'd have to ask him, what do we need to do? Because I'm, I'm 60 years old. I don't know what we do. I, I don't even want to get into that. I know we need to, and I'm not you know, saying it's bad. I just don't know what to do. And what's really cool is I've yet to have somebody who I've interviewed, if I approach it in that manner, where they say, I don't want to work for you. The guy doesn't know what he's doing. Hmm. Truth is, I don't know what I'm doing in a lot of things. However, if you work here, here's what I promise. That I will do whatever I can to help make you successful while you work here. And I'll try and get you the materials and the things that you need and, and, and whatever it is, I will try and do. 
I will also be able to evaluate as you're here whether you're doing the job or not because it'll get done or it won't get done. See, and that's how I'll be able to tell. Not, mm-hmm. not because I know all the steps to it, because I don't. Uh, but I will be able to tell eventually whether, you know, something is happening in your position or not. And I think people actually appreciate that. And that's just part of the honesty in the culture that we need to have. And I would encourage people who don't know everything, which is all of us, when you don't know something, don't act like you know something. Ask somebody who might and start learning. And, and by the time you're older, you, you do know more things. But uh, I know that I can set out a structure. I can even write a job description that is so general that you could fit it. <laughs> I mean, I could do that. Yeah. But, but as far as the specifics, if I gave you all the specifics on a particular job up here, even if it were a job like a, a maintenance job, you would have to look at me if you really knew maintenance and go, man, you don't know maintenance, do you? And if I were real prideful, I'd say, are you telling me I'm the boss, man? You know, I mean, this is what you need to do. Well, you could come and do that and destroy things. And then guess what? You get fired because it doesn't work, but you're really fired because I don't know what I'm doing. And I demanded you to do something that shouldn't have been done in the first place. And that's really hard to deal with. So there might be a whole shift in culture, actually, in thinking. But any boss, too many times we work at being needed. And we've said this on the show. We're not needed. We're wanted. As somebody who's in charge and as somebody who's a mentor, I want those who are under me to understand I want to work with them and I want them. The truth is I do not need them. We could find somebody else to do it, I'm sure. But I want them and I want to share things with them. And all of a sudden that changes the whole atmosphere from one of of power and authority to one that I think is based on relationships and love. You know, one of the keys to being a fire tender as a mentor is reminding each one of us, reminding us on a daily basis or a weekly basis in some way that not only do I believe in you, but God believes in you. And he did it in a way where he made a way possible to have a real relationship with him, that when everything else in life is failing, God isn't. God is at work. He's doing things in your midst that you may not see, you may not understand, but in some way, He's going to reveal that to you, and he's going to come through in a situation. So maybe your prayer today has been for a job situation. Maybe your prayer has been for some relationship healing. Maybe your needs are financial. God knows and he hears. And the role of a mentor is not to say, look, I know it. I have all the answers. I can do this all for you. That's not what a mentor does. A mentor is just someone who instills value and hope and purpose and meaning in a life and in a world sometimes where we lose sight of those things. But it's not found in the mentor. It's found in the mentor up above and God who's seeing, God who's working and who is alive and active in your life. If you want to learn more about a life relationship with God, the creator of the world, go and chat with the live coach tonight at hopenet360.com. While you're there, our show notes are available for tonight's show. Again, the show entitled Fire Tenders Needed. And we would love for you to go check it out. There's a lot of things there that we've posted, it's things we've talked about and some a little bit extra that we didn't get to really cover on the show tonight but we'll leave there for you to check out on your own so check that out as well the podcast will also be posted on our website hopenet360.com slash podcast our mentorship campaign continues so if you are interested in a way to mentor young people or even young adults or maybe even some parents you can be part of the coaching team 
at Hopenet360.com. Our partner, Groundwire, is looking for new coaches that want to step in and be an online mentor, so to speak. So check out Hopenet360.com slash coach. All of those links are right there on the homepage. You can find them pretty easily, pretty safely. And if you have any questions, you can always contact us as well. For all of us here on the show, thank you so much for joining us and being part of the conversation with us. And we'll see you guys online and next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.